Survive. Thrive. Stay alive. It's time to get prepared with the Prepping Academy Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Prepping Academy. I am Forrest. Tenderfoot is not in the house this evening. Tonight we're going to play a podcast that I was interviewed on last week. Two guys named Phil and Andrew that I met down in Prepper Camp. They have a pretty successful podcast. We were talking about security and privacy. A little bit about PrepperNet and what we're going to do with PrepperNet. And I'm going to do a um, an entire show own PrepperNet, let you guys know what's going on with that. But Matter of Facts Podcast, you can find them at mofpodcast.com, mofpodcast.com. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Matter of Facts Podcast. This is episode 98. Today, Andrew and I managed to Shanghai Force Garvin to come on the show with us. We met him at Prepper Camp and sat in on a couple on one of his classes, and uh, we were fortunate to con him into spending a little bit of time with us this afternoon. Well, doesn't con and doesn't that cause or take money? Not necessarily. See, it could just be you know sneakery and subterfuge. Yeah. That that usually works well. I think he's just bored and has nothing better to do tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's it. How you doing? Great. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah. What? Uh, well, for the listeners who uh, were not, uh, who uh, were unfortunate to not attend Prepper Camp uh, and sit in your uh, seminar there, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm an ex. Um, banker, but well, before that, I was um, Air Force Special Operations. Um, stationed at Pope Air Force Base. Most of my um, time in the military, got out of the Air Force, went back to college, then became a banker. I was uh, one of the webmasters at Bank of America and then did um, technology startups for about 10, 11 years. Um, Y2K is what converted me to become um, a survivalist is what we kind of called it back then. Not so much a prepper, but became a survivalist and I'm a perfectionist, so when perfectionist, so when I wanted to learn guns, I became an NRA instructor. When I wanted to become learn survival skills, I became a survival instructor, and and just so on. Even um, Krav Maga, I became a Krav Maga instructor. Been doing it for 12 years, and since then, I've just been trying to prepare the community and family and friends. And you know, that's kind of my history. Uh, I've been in this since again. I'm a Y2K baby, I guess. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the once the uh, what was it? Once the uh, clocks on the computers turned to zero, it was gonna wipe everything out. That's exactly right. So what really scared me um, at the bank, we had to make sure all our systems were tested and and worked, and we did that, and we were finished um, in August, early August. And my friend was the chief technology officer at a huge. Um, nuclear power plant, um, electrical um, electricity company, electrical company here in, in town. You could probably put the two together. 
And um, he was telling me that they couldn't find programmers to test their equipment. And I'm like, are you kidding? And this was last the end of, it was the day before Halloween. And it kind of petrified me to think that they weren't finished testing. And, you know, in a month and a half, two months away is when the big, the big clock switched over. So the and oh, and my first preps was salsa, chips, baby formula, some water, and some candy. <laughs> I, that He's was like a father. <laughs> we we didn't know any better. I just didn't know. Yeah. Huh? That's interesting. It, this does beg the question though, because I haven't really ever had a chance to talk to somebody that was this well acquainted with it. How serious of a concern was Y two K? Because I mean, from from our perspective now, looking back historically, nothing really happened. But I wasn't really deep into computers at that point in my life. I mean, I was only I was born eighty two, so do the math. I was still young enough not not to know any better. Well, in the beginning, we were concerned that money would just literally spit out of the ATM machines. I mean, we had no idea. As we got along through it. Most of our uh, machines were, or computers were, you know, we were getting off some mainframes, but we still have mainframes. And as a bank on the weekend, a lot of times, especially back in the um, late 90s, you could turn the whole system down for a couple hours and people wouldn't notice it. I mean, if our website went down in 1999, mm-hmm. you know, from three o'clock to, you know, four o'clock in the morning, it wouldn't it wouldn't make a big deal like it would today so we actually had all kinds of time um to test it and actually you know run the clocks and, and test it the problem i had was looking at the nuclear power plants you just can't do that with some of their software that was the concern um, a lot of their software had to be tested in what they called a sandbox environment because you just couldn't shut down reactors and start and start testing so for the bank we 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 knew we were good our concern and other people's concern was you know power plants you know you know utilities that you know provide the water all this because they just couldn't shut down the test like that now like i said it's an interesting point though because i mean i get i guess now now looking back on it I, i lose sight of like how how little interconnection there was back then. Because I, I had this conversation sidebar with uh, my neighbor's kids. They're, I think, 15 and 17. And I was relating to them that way back in the day when we used to play video games together, you'd actually have to run a cable between the two computers. Right. And they looked, yes. at, me, they looked at me like I had two heads and like you had to like hook the computers together. You couldn't just play over the internet. I'm like, the internet, like the internet barely had enough bandwidth to, to load anything. It'd take a couple of minutes just to load text. Oh, so, yes. we. Um, I started a, um, a work-from-home environment um, in 19 – I guess that was 1995. And these people came up with the idea of pairing two phone lines together, and it's called an ISDN line. And you get 56 plus 56, and all of a sudden, you know, you got over 100K – of transferring information, we thought we were screaming. Mind blown. <laughs> well, but back in 1995, that was like black magic. It was. But oh, also, man. though, 
you got to remember the data was so much smaller for programs uh-huh. and websites back then too. Pre multimedia, yeah, but I mean back yes. then, our, our most of our solid state. I mean, I remember mid nineties, a big hard drive, at least on the commercial market, was like a couple hundred megabytes. Wow! I, yeah. Oh yeah. I I thought I thought I had found a way to beat the system when me and my dad homebrewed a computer together and we stuck two three hundred megabyte hard drives yes. in it. Yes. That, that was like cooking with gas right there. And now I tell this to people today, and they're like, like 600 megabytes? Like my watch has 600 megabytes of storage. Right. Well, anyway, I remember I'll when. Subject. I, remember, I mean, I remember just really quick that, like, growing up, my dad, you know, it was amazed, like, when we had uh, the, the floppy disks. Like, that was <laughs> the biggest thing. And then all of a sudden, the, uh, um, oh, what the harder, um, the zip drives came out. Oh, yes. Like, and yeah, those came from my dad, and oh yeah, my dad. He, you know, he'd always go, but he'd go and buy stacks of them for information, you know. And I don't even know what he's got out of them anymore. Well, then he sat there, and then I remember when like the little um, SD drives come out, and it was like, here's a whole whopping six megs of external storage and fifty dollars. And then now you look at them, you're like, holy crap, they're so cheap. It's, I mean, it's crazy how things, um, how things progress. And I mean, that kind of ties into just how information, how the internet has progressed. And uh, I guess that kind of leads into kind of what you were talking about at Prepper Camp. Uh, it was basically like cybersecurity, um, information security. And you you really, now, how long have you been in that? Were you in that while in the bank industry? Or was that something that you got you got into after? Or? Well, I, um, I learned a lot about it when we created the red and blue team at the bank. Um, I wasn't an expert at it in the beginning, but um, through the years, we had so many regulations that the government, you know, put on us as this new technology was being created. I remember creating the very first real-time credit card application where you could actually go on to our site, fill out the information, and in real time, we would go check your credit and to provide you a yes or no if you got accepted. We didn't tell you how much you got accepted for. We just said, yes, you are approved. That was the first credit card um, connection to someone's actual credit score ever done. That took an act of Congress to get that passed and to get that through all the the hurdles within the bank and the, um, and the, um, and the government. Um, Things are changed so much, though. It's just crazy. But so through that, I learned that I was I learned a lot of that just from the aspect of protecting people's data. Um, Then since then, over the last 20 years, I've been training and, and learning how to protect my data, my information and how to from everyone, even nation states to my neighbor with his Wi-Fi detection system. It it. Privacy is privacy is something that is real, but you have to go get it. It's not it's not something that you automatically get. You have to go and work for your privacy, and that is a, kind of a campaign I've been on for the last few years. Is the more we use the tools that are created, um, including you know Tor. Um, including Tails operating system, all these tools that are created, the more we use that, the more we get our privacy back. I see. Yeah, because I remember, um, I don't mean, I don't want to give too much away from your talk at Prepper Camp. Cause are you talking again at Prepper Camp this year? 
I am. Um, I think I'm going to be focusing more on groups. I'm not sure what I'm going to be talking about, to be honest with you. But yes, I'm. I'm invited back. <laughs> okay. Well, good. I, I well, screw up. Uh, I have our tickets again, so we'll be there again. Yeah. I um, found but, my notes from your uh, seminar, by the way. <laughs> hey, what was and, that uh, first line? He doesn't know what he's talking about. That's what no, I read. No, no. <laughs> no, actually, the very the very top of this is another instructor that I'm not going to put on blast, but I'm not going to take his class again. Okay. <laughs> well, no, but uh, so going off of uh, your class in 2018 uh, prepper camp, I mean, we you really talk. I mean, you talked about so much. My my mind was, I I actually just found my packet stuff from the it was buried under somehow got kicked under my bed <laughs> and um so i have a disc that you gave me actually um with some uh uh some software and stuff that oh, i yes. need to try out and yes. um so but yeah so like going into like covering let's cover the privacy you i, I remember from your class you really talked about if you really want privacy like you laugh at people who ha- who talk about i want to get more privacy and then they have things like gmail Hotmail, right. Yahoo Mail, you know, um, hot, you know, or I said Hotmail, but um, like you laugh at people who they say want privacy, but then like Google is like one of the worst. They spy on you more, like just as much, if not as more, as Facebook. And so, if somebody really wants to get out there and say, "Hey, I want to secure my emails," like what would you recommend? I mean, I remember in your class you said basically you just got to pay for it. You got to find one that you pay for. Right. So if you use any free type email service. You are the consumer. I mean, you are the customer. I mean, consumer. They're using your data to advertise to you, and they're selling your information. That is, that, I mean, they tell you they don't, but everyone knows that, that, I mean, that your information, everyone's seen when you go and search a website, all of a sudden you get emails about that product, or you, um, and that continues on. That It's like one big web of they share information. And they do that through several companies like ClickBank. They set a cookie on your browser. Um, Google, you know, they control the searches. They know what you search. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you'll get the ads. But um, the only way to be private on your email is use a paid email. And Unseen is one. I personally like um, Proton Mail, and I pay for it. And it's in a different country. Matter of fact, Proton Mail. When you send an encrypted message, um, the message is not stored anywhere where it can be decrypted. It's not even stored. The key is not even on the server. Only time that is decrypted is when your key from your username and password logs in, and all of a sudden it can decrypt the message and you can see it. So, it's, let's say the let's just say um, Russia. Because the United States would never do this. Let's say Russia goes to to the server in the other country and grabs the physical server and then takes it back. It would almost be impossible. They could probably do it. I would say there's very few nation states that could do that. Decrypt your email. Um, it would. They would spend so much, so many resources. It would. It would just be not prudent for them to do it. So I love Proton Mail. It costs money. Um, I think I got it for like two years. Was like eighty bucks. Don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, because right now I'm looking at it, and uh, there is a free version. But I assume yes. the free version is something just like uh, absolutely I mean, is it just like email, yes. or is it just as good? It's use the free. The e- yes, you can use Proton um, um, free version. Absolutely, there's some limits 
meaning mm-hmm. I think it's I don't know 10 30. maybe 5 gigs or something I don't know it's just li- a few limits I used that for years until I started preaching about this and I'm like you know what I need to get the paid version if I'm going to you know actually I want to step up my game a little bit because there are few there's benefits um, you can create more than one email address when you when you upgrade as well right and I believe it looks like it's Four euros a month. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Four euros a month, so four fifty-nine, uh, roughly four dollars and fifty-nine cents um, U.S. Uh, a month, which isn't really that bad. Um, and that's interesting. Yeah, that's and that's for the plus version. Uh, but no, that's, now, that's d- interesting. I do have other email accounts. I do have a Gmail account, but mm-hmm. I I use that for for communication that is that it, it, I use that for communication like I would talk in public because that's what that that's what email is is as a communicate is you know communicating in public where everyone in the world could pro- possibly hear you so when I run my website depending on what is being communicated it depends on what email address I use because um, that, that's just and it's it, it is hard there's a graph if you can imagine the more privacy you want the more difficult you're going to have to, it's going to be for you. The less privacy, the easier. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I know one of the, and then going into search browser or browsers, uh, I know you said in the class it was uh, Firefox is your go-to, and it's, you said it's probably the most secure. Well, yeah, well Tor, the Onion um Browser. Tor, Tor browser is probably the better one, but it's so difficult to use. But um, Firefox, the reason anything open source I like, open right. source hackers nowadays. There are ethical hackers that they their dream is to find issues with with open source code because if they find an issue with open source, that means other hackers, other programmers have looked at it and never found the flaw. So they work diligently to find issues with open source, and when they do, they make a name for themselves. So if you can imagine Firefox is open source, everyone in the world can look at the actual code, and they check each other. It's like checks and balances. They'll they'll improve it to the point that it it becomes almost um, just hardened. And with the right plugins that you can install, um, Firefox is a, is probably the safest browser you can use, most secure. Do not use Internet Explorer, which I don't even know if they make that anymore. But they do. do not use they do do not use Internet Explorer. It's part of the operating system with Microsoft. It was forever. Um, and Google Chrome? Are you kidding? I mean, <laughs> it's probably the most flexible because Google has has created it. But th- but Google again make you don't want to use anything mainstream like Google. You want to use Firefox. Um, there's some other ones out there that are coming up. Opera. What'd you say? Opera. Opera. Yeah, it's just so far behind um, Firefox. I would recommend Firefox and with a few plugins um, like HTTP Anywhere. Um, I think that's it. HTTP Anywhere. It makes every um, socket when you connect to a website it transmits it in securely it it helps 
You also want to add like um, you can actually the coolest thing with Firefox and some of these other browsers, you can um, add called no. There's called no ads <laughs> or a a, um, a plugin. Would you call it? Ad blocker. Yeah, ad blocker. It blocks all the ads. It's amazing, and they can, and they don't track you, and so. I, I'm a big fan, but have been a fan since Mozilla um, and uh, Netscape, same browser. Did it? <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Yes. So wait a second. Firefox is basically a repackaged Netscape. Yes, Netscape from the old days. Then it became Mozilla, and then it became Firefox. See, I never even realized that. But I mean, I remember Netscape from back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yep. So in Netscape, they, they went defunct, and the guys grabbed it and started working on it and made it Mozilla. Matter of fact, in the beginning, it was called Netscape Mozilla. And now it's just, it's gone to Firefox. Interesting. Now, as far as, uh, I mean, this is getting a little bit more advanced just because the fact of not many people know how to go this in-depth. But uh, for those who want to learn um, operating systems... Uh, for the longest time, uh, Linux has been the one that yes. I've heard go to, and that's what you recommend. I love Linux absolutely. Um, once you learn the um, Linux, it is actually it, it, it's no different than Windows. It's a it's a Windows based operating system, but it's it's got it's not it has it, none none of the complexity that Windows has, mm-hmm. and it and again. True programmers and um, and hackers um, have, in a sense, put their two cents into this software, and it's been it's just been growing and getting better ever since. There's another version of things, and it's called Tells, which again that's even more difficult to use, but it's probably well, Linux gives you freedom to. Um, to do a lot more adjustments than tells, because mm-hmm. Linux is and it, it was programmed by experts, hackers, pro, you know, and programmers. Um, and by far, it's the safest in the market, without question. Tells is for the simple people. It's it's hard to use and get, but once you get it, it's just simple. Has absolutely no added features. <laughs> I mean, it's just the the, the basics. Oh, uh, just the bare bones and bare so bones. Yeah, my biggest my biggest issue with Windows and um, I mean, even just look at cell phones too. The operating system. I'm, I mean, I wish there was. I need to figure out a way to do just a more simpler version on my cell phone, just because the fact of you got so much stuff running in the background, right? That it, it just slows everything down. And then on top of that, because there's so many programs run in the background that you don't even know. It's insane. It, like what what runs in the background, and you it, you have no idea it's running. Right. Yep. Now and I it, do I do currently have an iPhone. That's because of work. Mm-hmm. But um, iPhone is not a safe phone. Actually, no none of the phones are are safe. But I would um, a Droid can be made safer than an iPhone. Um, if you remember the documents that came out in Vault Seven. That was a, a release of documents that um, a hacker or a government employee kind of released, or I don't know if that was, I don't know who it was, but we found that we learned from the documents that iPhones 
straight out of the box can be taken over by the government. Huh. I mean, that it was factory sealed in a box that had a back door. So. Huh. Well, I'm glad I never went to Hive. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that eliminates, you know, some of the software I use on my phone. And I, I was um, telling people about, you know, like Signal, um, mm-hmm. which is a video texting and voice communications on, on, on any device. But if, 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 if someone has control of your phone, they can see your screen. And right. so, but again, for them to do that, you would have to be a pretty they would have to suspect something pretty crazy because it's not easy for them, but yet they do have the ability. Hmm. Just crazy. It makes me want to go back to just the flip phone. Flip phone. Blackberry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do man. Do Blackberries yeah. anymore? Yeah. They, 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 they do. Yeah. I thought Rim went head under. Sorry. No, uh, they're actually coming out the new uh, new Blackberry soon, I believe. Yeah, but the the old flip phones or even the the big bricks used to hold up to your ear, you know. <laughs> yeah, no cameras. Now, Garvin, I do have kind of a question that's in the same vein, but it's it's not personal, but it's going to be very personal to what the three of us do because, like I was telling Andrew, I'm like the thing that I've personally struggled with. I know Andrew has because we're podcasters, all three of us are because all three of us kind of have a public persona. And there's X amount of our information, our, our X amount of what we do and what we believe is already out in the public eye because of what we do. How do we strike a how do how does anybody strike a balance between privacy and the modern age where we're all on social media and we're all trading information back and forth? I mean that's that's like that's something I've struggled with and Andrew has too, and it's something that even applies to a lot of our listeners because they're on they're on social media, they talk with us all the time with each other. But at the same time, we also kind of wonder how close to our chest to hold the cards. Right. So when I um when I, I tell people when I came out of the closet, <clears throat> this was <laughs> six years ago. None of my friends and family, no one knew that I was, you know, an RE instructor. All these things that I did the training, that I had a survival group. I mean, no one knew that, and that's kind of why I started, um, you know, putting meetups together because I needed to meet people. And also coming from a background in the area of Charlotte, I knew I couldn't hide my identity. People knew who I was. I was in the papers. I was, I mean, I just was pretty known in this area in the banking industry in the southeast at the time just because of my job. And so I couldn't come up with these cool names and these cool <laughs> and like a an entire profile that, you know, that kind of hid my identity. So I knew I would have to put myself out there, and 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 I have. Um, the the question is though, <clears throat> me being kind of out there, what am I hiding from? Who am I hiding from? What do I have to hide? And once you take an assessment of that, I have nothing to hide, except maybe my survival group, which I probably, I talk a lot about my survival group, and a lot of people give me flack for that. And the reason I talk about it is because it's been in existence for 20 years. Right? This will be the 20th year. 
we we have our stuff down. We we understand security. I understand what I can share and what I can't share. Um, I know people even having my ham license. I made the mistake of putting like my home address, so people can find out where I am. Actually, I've moved since then. I haven't updated my address yet, but um, but people can find. I you give me your name, and I can find out any information about you within ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I can find your social security. I can find your brother-in-law. Everything. So with that information out there. I know that my secret life is my survival group. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when the crap hits the fan, I'm gone. If you follow me, it's going to be bad news. You won't. Um, and my na- everyone always says, hey, I'll just come to your house. I say, great, y'all have a party. Because I won't <laughs> be there. I won't be there. Because <clears throat> two things. We are, we, we are in this industry. We're prepping. We, we've done this for a while. We... We know the signs to look for, and we will be the first one to bug out. By the time people figure out they need to come to my house, it'll be a day, 24 hours, or maybe even 48 hours before they even think about it, and I'll be gone. Um, So when you're truly prepped, uh, and I know this is a little side road, I'm sorry, but when you're truly prepped and the crap hits the fan, you don't need to go back to your house. I live in the city. Now, if you're at your bug out location, that's different. But there's no reason for me to go back to my house. Leave my dog there. That's fine. My neighbor will get him. Um, My family members, we know what to do. And that's called truly prepared. Um, Do I need books, binders, anything, food, guns from my house? No. I told my neighbors, you you guys can have it. but the privacy is the only way to truly take your privacy back is get rid of the phone, get rid of your computer, and uh, and get off the grid. Um, because you know, outside my house right now is this meter, and it's called a smart meter that the that the um, power company put on there. Um, and the technology is so good; they know when I plug in my phone to be charged. That information. Excuse me. That information, they found that out in the 40s and 50s by the draw of current. They can identify what was being plugged in. When my TV's on, they can tell by the mm-hmm. frequencies coming from my house from that smart meter, my TV's on. They, they can literally record everything, all in the, my electronic uses or electricity uses, in a sense, in my house. They know that. And that was done, and that's part, pretty public, where they put this guy in a room. And he was going to type a top secret letter. And the goal was to figure out what the guy was typing in this lead room. And they did it by the electrical current. Each typewriter key would hit, you know, the, the old, you remember the old typewriters? I think that was in the 50s they did this. Maybe it was early 60s. And as the key was drawn and hit, they could tell the current and then identify what key it was. And that's over 50 years ago they could do that. Yeah, that uh, that technology is definitely leaps and bounds past that. I mean, completely go private. Yeah, you do have to go off grid, ditch your phone, ditch your computer, everything. And I mean, 90% of the people, I mean, a good chunk of the people, they won't, they can't do that. I mean, so the next step to start though is to just be smarter about um, your browsing, like you know, your browser, such as a, a better browser like uh, Firefox, uh, better email. 
uh, you know, like the uh, the uh, the proton, and um, get familiar and, with like Firefox or something like that, just to kind of help secure your identity a little bit more, and create some fake profiles. There's no law that states that you can't use a fake profile online when you're buying something. There, there's there's they, they, they don't have to ask you for your information. Matter of fact, so create a fake profile. And then use that fake po- profile as you do your on your boards. Have it go to an email address, and then forward it to your pro- Proton mail address. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. It's pretty easy too. A lot of this stuff's on on um, you know YouTube University. But another thing to do is um, when you buy stuff, I use a, a company called it's called Privacy.com. So I can go to Privacy.com. And I'm gonna. I, I can create a credit card number on the fly, so then I can go. I've heard. Yeah, so I can create a credit card number. It gives me, you know, the expiration date. I can create my own expiration date on there, and the 3D pin, and then I can go to a website and I can put in any name I want, you know, John Smith, at this PO box or this, you know, wherever it's going to be shipped, and then put my credit card information, which will link up to the name I just put in, mm-hmm. and then it, I can purchase that completely 100% anonymously. Then- Now, they trace that back, though? Going from, nope. if you want to trace that that credit card number back, they can't trace it back to your, your account, and then your, basically what you, and then your credit card number? The only way they could do that is one if possibly if they get a subpoena and go back and the government would do that. Anyone else would never be able to figure that out because that credit card number is temporarily used. And once it's used, it's gone forever. And so they would they would have to either see you as you're picking up your package from the P.O. box or from wherever you're going to mail it to. Or they'd have to go seize the records and the computers of privacy.com um, and and then go through their encryption to get that information to get it. And again, it, it, it would... Well, privacy is also, it's, it's, um, it's encrypted pretty good too. Yes, very encrypted. Um, you know, a nation state is probably the only people that could do that at this point. They ha- they're the only ones that have the money and the resources to even attempt to do that. So you can go out and buy things anonymous all throughout the internet and have it shipped to anonymous location, which there's ways to do that. And all of a sudden, the 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 government is not really tracking you because, again, they don't have the resources or the time to spend on some guy, you know, named Forrest buying ammo from you know a, a online store. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get really wacky, you can go to the dark web or to the the Tor network. Yeah. And I tell people, everyone says, "Oh, that that network is compromised. It's compromised." And the computer guy, which is a as which is a great guy on YouTube, has lots of followers. And I say, "That's horse crap. It is not comp- compromised." You know why and how I know? They spent over a hundred million dollars trying to figure out. The Silk Roads. It was the largest drug trafficking, sex trafficking, you know, organization 
market in the world and they spent a hundred million dollars and they couldn't do it they almost gave up until the founder of the entire thing used a username offline meaning off the you know in a a game i don't know if it was a gaming or something he used the same username and it brought their attention going wait a second this is the same username that we see sometimes on the, the you know the the silk road and boom they got them other than that they couldn't they could not they could not crack or find who was doing that and they and they and so it's not a um it's not a compromise system yet i don't think but that's crazy um yeah i guess i mean i, I guess if you how do you feel about i mean you talked about having something shipped to anonymous locations um it, it basically you talk i mean I guess you can have if you have other addresses or something, but I mean, what do you think about having uh, getting like a uh, postal, like a post box at the postal service? I mean, is that something that you would recommend? Well, I wouldn't do the post office. I would do like one of these other mailbox rentals. Okay. Um, so what you can do, um, I, I know PostNet is one of them. You know, they have these mailboxes you can rent by the month. Um, and you can go in there with your with a um, well, I've heard, okay, that you can go in there with some some LLC documentation um, of a LLC that may not exist. This is what I've heard and read, and just fill out the paperwork, and they'll give you a box and a key. And as far as they know, that particular LLC owns that box. These are the names that could come in that you put down. And if if you don't know them and they don't have cameras, you're. I mean, that's pretty secure. Um, yeah, same. I've I personally have never done that, but I can imagine. And I I know someone that owns a PostNet, and I've asked the questions though, and he said that they really they're supposed to verify, but most of them don't. They just want your money. Well, sadly, I don't have a PostNet. Hear me. <laughs> oh okay well there are other ones too um anyone that rents post you know mailboxes there's a every city has one or you know mm -hmm. i just don't know the different names um and then you could do i've seen people order stuff when they know their neighbors are going to be out of town and they'll go snag their own package <laughs> i oh, mean there, nice. there's there's different ways you can do that and you know paying a ups driver extra money when your package comes um and i mean there's all kinds of things you can do it, it, but but what are you trying to hide i mean right right that's the thing is it's yeah. mostly mostly i see the thing i find the most uh the most intriguing it would be like the the privacy uh, privacy.com right um doing something like that because the one of the biggest things that gets stolen online is our identity as far as um, our credit card information a lot of that gets stolen from online but uh, I mean it's actually from what I read some read a, year, a couple years ago I read it that it's actually safer to shop online than it is to actually shop person now uh, but I don't I mean but it's, what but well, I, you know I don't really I, I freeze um, freeze your um, credit report mm-hmm that's it's free to do you can go on the on the site and you can freeze it that means any new applications 
you know, if someone's trying to get a credit card in your name, it would freeze it. Other than that, I'm really less concerned about someone stealing my credit card than I am someone trying to hack one of my passwords to a website. Here's the reason why. Um, Let's say I had a $100,000 credit line on my credit card or in my bank, which I don't. But um, if someone steals that and uses that, the bank's going to refund all my money, every bit of it. They're they're on the hook for all that. The reason Mm -hmm. why... Because they have to keep the system, and they have to keep the. I mean, you've heard of people; they always get their money back. It's a, it's a, it's a bank policy to refund someone's money. Even like even PayPal does it. PayPal is a little bit safer with the credit cards in the bank, but um, but you, they you always get your money back. So one thing I do recommend every year, go to your bank online and say, hey, I want new credit cards issued. They'll give you a brand new number. And that helps in two ways. One is you got a new number, and two, all them subscription accounts you forgot that you subscribed for, and they're going to charge you again this year. <laughs> it's going to bounce, and you're going to go, "Oh, I forgot I did want that." When you can go in there with your new credit card information, because I forget sometimes. But um, but so the credit card. But the most important thing you can do is one, get a a good email service, one you pay for. And then your password. If I know your password to your email, I can control your life for a period of time. I can get into your bank accounts. I can get into every account that you have if I know your email password. Um, and and the, the, way, the way I would do that is I would go to Bank of America and say, hey, I've lost my, e- my username. What's your email address? Email it to you. They're going to email it. And then I have full control of your bank account or your airline mile account, what, whatever it is, your email password is the most important password. Right. And that's, that's what, I mean, email you, is the most important thing. Yes. Yeah. Having like a secured email though, I mean, you can run, I mean, you can run all your bills, you can run everything through it, correct? I yes. Mean, any email from, so I guess, I mean, if I emailed somebody at Gmail, I guess that kind of defeats the purpose of the the secure email, unless it's, I mean, unless it's just something out of the blue. But, um, so yeah, I can we, I can definitely see how that's beneficial. So I use email for I do use email for like my Amazon account. It's just again, it's a, it's a scale. The more privacy, the more difficult. Um, mm-hmm. My my Proton Mail accounts, I really use that for information that. I really won't protect it. So I would not email you at your Gmail account from a Proton Mail. If you don't have a secure email, I probably wouldn't email you from that account because it defeats the purpose. Right. Um, being in the position I am, and if, and I do a lot of consulting with some with some survival groups, we'll say, and some high-profile people. I require them to have a proton mail so we can communicate so that uh, that information is 100% protected. I see. Okay. Well, actually, that's a good segue there. Um, let's get into your – let's talk a little bit about prepping. Um, your prepping groups. Uh, you have – one, you have the uh, Prepping Academy, and then you also have PrepperNet. Which I've been looking at that, and I've been looking into that more. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about both? Yes. Well, Prepping Academy is nothing more than my podcast. 
I okay. um, I call it a mediocre podcast because um, <laughs> it's just it's just mediocre. I interview some of the biggest names. Um, you know, it's kind of when I go in there and talk by myself or my 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 um, co-host. Everyone goes, "Yeah, that's pretty good." But apparently, I'm better interviewing than I am talking. So, <laughs> so I've been interviewing a lot more people here recently. But that's that's all that is is Prep Academy. We're actually that's getting ready to. We're going to change that over to a new network. We're doing some major changes um, on the uh, on that that I'm not really t- ready to announce yet. But it's going to keep keep listening because things are going to get better. It's going to become more pro- more professional. And when okay. it comes. Go ahead. You got a question. I mean, no, I was just saying that in PrepperNet. Yeah. And PrepperNet, so PrepperNet started five years ago when I wanted to meet other people. Um, my best friend was, see if I can remember this. Um, in, uh, okay, it was K, AK47NC18. That was my best prepper friend I ever had. Hmm. And I knew him from a form. <laughs> Nice. Never met him in person. We just communicated and shared ideas and thoughts. And I finally said, you know, I got to meet other people. And so I created a meetup, and we had five people the first meetup, um, and I, I named it the Carolina Prepping Network. And um, it grew to over about nine thousand people with meetings in twenty-one cities. So I find a city leader and go, hey, you need to do this too. I'll help you and train you how I've done mine. And we did that in 21 cities in the Carolinas. Since oh, wow. then, since then we went national because I was helping other, I went to prepper camp and people were like, hey, can you help me do this in Ohio? Can you help me do this in Washington State? And so, and so I renamed it and rebranded it to PrepperNet. Currently we have over 25,000 members and we have meetups in officially 47 cities but we're working on like 12 right now to add um last night we added um eugene oregon um a existing meetup group said hey we want to be a part of what PrepperNet's doing and they came on board bought a thousand people you know on from their meetup so um and so some neat things that we're doing first of all I needed help, so I went out and got some of the biggest names I could find in the industry to help me do this. Um, and I hope uh, you know. I hope you guys will know some of these names, but I got a list. Right, John Jacob Schmidt from Amron. He's mm-hmm. built an emergency communication network for preppers, and it's been in existence for years. There, there's no better emergency communication tool, and and policy and procedures than what they put together. I've got Scott Hunt from Practical Preppers. You probably, you guys know who he is. Um, yeah, he's a, I do- know the name. Yep, um, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Um, Charlie Hogwood, he wrote the book, The Mag Group or Survival Group. He wrote that book. Glenn Tate and Shirley Gallagher. Um, Glenn Tate wrote The 299 Days, um, and, and Shirley is an author as well. Um, Samuel Copler, he does The Forward Observer. He does Intel. He did Intel for, I think, the three percenters. He did it for the Oath Keepers. Very smart guy. Um, then there's, you know, these guys. I know um, Survivor Jane. Yep, and, yeah. We just had yep. Rick Austin on um, last week, and uh, yep. I'm actually just 
fell back from Survivor Jane, so we'll be having her on soon. Yep, so they're both on my expert camp. You probably know Franklin Horton. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's been oh, about, I think, about three times now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. And Ryan Mitchell, a lot of people don't know who this is, but he is the tiny house expert. Yep, he was on, yep we had him on too, him and Brian oh, Duff. Yep, Brian yep. Duff. Brian Duff is on there as well. So um, you guys know, I mean, that's that's my expert. So these guys are helping me um, unite preppers is our tagline. We have created a website where we want every prepper in America to come and join. And we want you to give us your zip code. Ooh, that's, I mean, <laughs> so check this out. Um, in my personal survival group, we have a young lady that is going to the University of Alabama. I don't know anyone near that university that's a prepper. And so if the, you know, if the crap hits the fan, that's a real problem. How do we communicate with this young lady? How do we make sure she's safe? It was a problem. And so expanding out PrepperNet to Nationwide all of a sudden gave me an, gave me an idea. Everyone that joins PrepperNet, you give me your zip. So now there's 15 people within 30 miles of the university um, that has the, that that I have in the database. So I went and emailed them and said, hey, would you be interested? And I tell them the story. And I had like four or five people go, oh, yeah. Since then, the families have met and they've trusted. Now we have a safe passage or someone that will take care of this young lady if the crap hits the fan and a way to communicate with her. Because if that didn't happen, this couple and their kids at a retreat, all they would do is worry about their daughter. It -hmm. would affect my group. It would um, hinder them from, from doing the things that they need to do to keep everyone else safe. So it is, was vital to have communications and a plan for that young lady. For me, too, not just for them. So now the software is completed. I haven't released it yet. But you can go on and you can look at a, a zip code and go, okay, who is in this zip code? You don't get to see their names. You don't get to see their email addresses. You'll bring up a zip code. It'll say there are 23 people in this zip code that are a member of this site. It will randomly select 10 people, and you can type them a message. Hey, my name is Joe Smith. My email address is this, this. My phone number is this. My parents live there, and I'm trying to get someone that understands what prepping and survival and you know, all this stuff. So if something happens, I can communicate and know that there's someone there that could possibly take care of my family. If you're interested, email me back. You have my information. So that email then is sent to 10 random people in that zip code. And then you sit back and see if someone responds. So one, it doesn't give the away the identity of of anyone unless you take the action and respond to the email. You could just delete it and your information is never shared. You would actually physically have to reply to the mail or call them and say, hey, my name is Tom. I'm interested in helping. What's going on? And then all of a sudden you've got a connection. So there's ways to connect to people with everyone within the United States without them giving their information up. And it's entirely up to them. So I've created that software and it is working. Um, 
Also, I've limited the number of times you can use it. You can only use it one zip code in a 24-hour period. So you just can't spam. You're going to have to be patient. If there's a bunch of zip codes, you're going to have to be patient. And then after you use it five times within a 10-day within a period, it puts you on, it, it, it freezes your account, and then I'll have to go in there and find out why you're trying to get more zip codes. Well, it also helps keep I, bots at bay because, I mean, you exactly. can't brute force. You can't. You can't brute force survey the database that way. Exactly. At least not exactly. with one user. And, and and that's another point I want to bring up. And so, as you as people sign up for PrepperNet, their information goes into you know a database. It's a SQL database. I have a I have a um, a um, it's a cron job. They call it, that's all technical talk, I know, but that goes into the database and, and it gets their, the zip codes and it gets their email address and it encrypts their email address and builds a brand new database. So then that, the zip codes are then taken out of that database into a, data, a flat file, which is then sent to Google builds it on a map and shows a a PrepperNet symbol in every single zip code in the United States where there is at least one member in that zip code. So if you go, then you can look on a map and you can see on a map where all the zip codes, where at least we have at least one member in that zip code. You can view that in real time. And you can go, oh, look, there's someone right there in, you know, Biloxi, Mississippi, or at least one person. It could be 10, it could be 30, but I only represent it with one. And then that's how you know if someone's in that area or not. And it's completely hidden. The only information Google gets is the zip codes. They don't know, they don't ever see the, the usernames, or passwords, email addresses or anything. So it wasn't a difficult software program to work, um, to get done, but it was one that I just wanted to think through and make sure that everyone's data was always secure. You can view on a map where all, so if you go on a map right now, we have to be a member though. You do have to be a paying member to see this. We have two membership levels, a basic membership, and then we have a premium membership. And the premium membership is $40 a year, but it gives you access to see every single zip code represented by PrepperNet. And it's pretty impressive when you see the map of the United States. Hmm. Jeez. Yeah. Um, well, I have a, I guess I have a couple things to sign up for here soon. <laughs> <laughs> You're spending Andrew's um, money, in other words. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't mean to be, but you know, it's just that. And the the, the main purpose of PrepperNet is to create an environment, in every in all the cities in America that we can get to, where you go and you break bread, you eat across from people, and you get to know them. The information that happens at our meetups. Because we'll, we'll have training, we'll have, you know, this week, week I'm doing one on winter preps. Um, people are starting doing the bees because of the spring coming. That information, though, is so, I mean, it's, YouTube has it all. So we, we have a, a complete program to train our city leaders. So we have forms for them to communicate, just the city leaders. We have a monthly conference call for our city, city leaders. We have a Google Drive where we can share presentations, videos. Um, you know, handouts that we that everyone's um, put together. Um, we have a marketing plan for our city leaders. So 
um, not only how to get more people into your group, but also how to make money at it. Because um, I do charge the city leader a hundred bucks to come on board, um, and I and I show them like four ways to make money being a city leader and running a group, and the benefits are unbelievable because you get to hand pick people for your survival group too, and so there's some great benefits. But um, but we so we have in this all this information to train our city leaders, and then once a month. One of our expert panel members will get on the phone and say, hey, guys, you guys are doing a great job. Hey, you know, this is coming down the line or have you thought about doing this with your group or hey. Um, and so it's we're here to help the city leaders and let and help them facilitate running groups throughout the United States. And so that's our main purpose is getting people across the table to meet each other. And yes, you can come into one of our meetups and have the name Batman, and we won't ask you your real name. I mean, it's, it, I mean, you, you, you can come in. Uh, we have so many people that have all these cool names. I wish I could come up with one but <laughs> for myself, but everybody says, someone has to give it to you. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you don't want to hear them. <laughs> They're not, but, um, yeah, I mean, that, I, I can... I can definitely find this uh, very interesting and um, just I can find it very useful just because I mean as preppers and everything I mean you have a hard time finding like-minded individuals they kind of keep it close to them uh, it's one thing that they don't necessarily like to let out and so like something like this it gives you the ability to kind of it's almost like an icebreaker in a way and right. it just lets you kind of just hey this is who I am and you want to meet up and and because that's I mean where I'm at it's I don't know of anybody really else um, I mean I know like may, you know my uncle and everything but other than that like I I really don't have other people that I consider that I've met that are like are preppers um, they just I just can't it's they're harder to find up here I guess I don't know so I mean that's something that's be very interesting to look into as far as if uh, you know join the prepper net finding out if there's anybody up here so here's one of the statements I make all the time and it, this is 20 years of experience and helping with helping groups and my group if you're not in a group when the crap hits the fan you're gonna die and you're gonna mm -hmm. die quickly you've got to be in a group and when I and people always the next question from that statement is well how many people need to be in your group um, Charlie which wrote the book um, Jonathan Hollerman which is we think just like expert we have actually had roundtable discussions with experts Sam Copler you got the bigger the group almost the better I I like to go with 20 families and people go what that's a that's a hundred people at your retreat and I go yes and you're gonna wish you had more <laughs> because imagine doing 24-hour security forever from that point on <laughs> mm -hmm. and so you have you know eight guys on the first shift eight guys on the second shift that's 16 people just doing 12-hour security for your retreat there's other work that needs to be done um, and so it's peaceful now it is absolutely you can buy the materials you need you can you can do it right now but once it once things start to fall it's going to be too late it, um, and if you you know people in your survival group it's like a marriage 
it's actually almost more important than it's not more important than a marriage. But you got to trust these people with your life, with your daughter, and your wife. I mean, you. I mean, because you're going to be on security, and there'll be got you know people back in the camp. You've got to think through this, and I mean, a lot of people, um, Glenn Tate and Shirley um, Gallagher, um, have their their new podcast is called Prepping um, 2.0. Yeah. yeah, and it's taken your game to the next level. I mean, if you're still talking about building fires, I mean, and and your bug out bag, and you're talking about, I mean, I mean, we're past. I mean, gosh, I learned that stuff 15 years ago. I don't even ever talk about that stuff within my, within my um, my group. Matter of fact, this one on winter preps was the main concern everyone had this winter. But I'm not going to talk about probably what they want me to talk about. Um, I'm going to talk about about winter is a natural disaster that happens every single year. It is a natural disaster that happens every single year. We just happen to have a prep called electricity that gets us through it. So if we had no electricity this winter, you know, a third of America would die. Conservatively yeah. speaking. Yes. And so we, our prep, thanks, you know, to power and electricity. But if we had no no power, people would be dying by the millions well, in America. But we talk about the same thing. I live down here in the New Orleans metro area. Not in the city, thank God, but close enough to it. And we talk about the same thing in the summer because... It's like 90 to 100 degrees and 90% relative humidity. And when the power gets knocked out for an extended period of time in the summer, you start hearing about, like, the elderly and, you know, people right. who, have, who have heat strokes sitting in their houses because it's 100 freaking degrees. Yep. Now, that, sound, that, that probably sounds really hilarious to some of y'all that don't live down here, but trust me when I say it's freaking hot. Like, properly hot. <laughs> but the point remains. Yep. So, but yeah, and so you got to be in a group and you got to have skills. If you have no skills, you have no value. And that's so PrepperNet is nationwide. We, when we ask everyone to join, it's free. And it does, um, it gives you, you know, opportunity to find meetups. Um, there's all kinds. We have a, a national Zello night that actually is going to happen tonight at 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll have 50, 60, 80, 100 people check in on the Zello net. Um, so we have all kinds of cool things and a lot of great leaders is the only way I could pull this off is we have some very committed people that are, that are helping me. Um, and we have a Facebook page, um, at PrepperNet, just, I think it's facebook.com slash group slash PrepperNet. Um, and there's always great information on there and communications. So if I'm reading Andrew's face correctly, we're both thinking, we're both probably joining this evening. Did I get did I get that right, Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> well, you, well, don't don't join yet. I'll give you guys a free membership if you guys just help me. You know, we're you, you guys probably know this. Um, in your podcast, I make no money. In PrepperNet, I charge, but I've I've spent over twenty thousand dollars to get the website and the back end to where it is now. My only goal is, with the forty dollars is to make up my money, and and charging every time I start a new group, it costs me you know one hundred and eighty dollars a year for a meetup group, and so 
I know that I, I'm not. I mean, a lot of people go, "You're making money. You're charging forty bucks." And I'm like, "Kiss my honey. Go somewhere else." I don't. This is no. You would be supporting, kind of what we're doing. But I'll give you guys. You guys jump on board, and I would. Oh, I would love to give you guys a free membership. Yeah, I mean, that's. I definitely appreciate. It. I, I don't mind buy, uh, paying for it either. I mean, but uh, it. Just because the whole the idea of just being networked, um, the whole networking, and I mean, this is something that when we definitely will be putting this, pushing this on our, our um, on our page and stuff, and trying to get if there's people that aren't members, trying to get them signed up as well. Just because I, I think this is a val- valuable source to have, uh, just so you know who's who, and I mean, it just gives you a good idea of who's in your who's in your area. I mean, just like what you said, uh, and and just like when you described, you, you know, um, that girl that you basically created a network for her because she was at college like Franklin Horton his book popped into yes. my mind that's exactly yes. what and like that right there like so valuable I mean I only live two hours away from where I would go and but that's still a two hour drive right. uh, if I can find someone in between here and there or team or link up with you know a group of people from between here and there then that's that just adds so much more security and it, and it ups your survival your survivability just by a tenfold i mean by how many people you have in your group um and especially if you have to camp outside you know if you have to take an uh a sleep outside and out in the woods and you're by yourself i mean you're putting yourself at risk and so yeah i my mind is completely is just blown i mean (laughs) okay imagine one other thing with me if you can jump on board this imagine a network let's say the grid goes down a network of ham operators that are prepared for grid down that can send messages pretty much to every nook and cranny in America. And they're using the Amron um, OSI and and we're and at that point we'll be able to encrypt it and we'll be able to get the messages message to anywhere in America using Amron's um, you know OSI using PrepperNet um, ham operators throughout the United States because we're everywhere, and all of a oh, sudden yeah. I'm a ham operator. Um, I have my license. I need to get back to it. I I haven't touched my radio in years, so I mm. need to I need to pick it back up and get back into it. And so that's what I'm saying. Like it just there's so many tools, and I mean I guess going off of what you were saying with as far as you're 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 doing this like you you created PrepperNet to bring like-minded individuals together and teach like you're you're a teacher you you want to instruct people on how to be how to survive something if uh if something ever ever happened and phil and i that's where when him and i really talked about when i first started coming on the show um and that's we're this we're really the same way as we're thinking the same way as i Phil do the show not for money i mean if we made if we had 100 patreons and everybody subscribed and we are making like a, something we could actually live off of I mean, we wouldn't be like living high off the hog. We would be investing that money back in the show and making exactly. it a better show. But also bringing on, you know, trying to get more guests and trying to get more material and try to and teach people. Because this is, I'm, I'm really, I'm doing this show for teaching. Like, I wanna, if I don't know something, I want someone to tell me. But I mean, I've read articles, I've talked to a lot of people, and I do have somewhat of more, uh, some common sense to where this doesn't add up. I'm gonna tell you. And I feel like people need to hear that. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You know, there's going to come a day. And, you know, I don't look forward to this day. 
but there's going to become a day that my website's going to crash because of a number of people trying to to join because they need the information. They're, they see what's going on. There's going to be a day that you're going to get 10,000 downloads in one day of your podcast because people are going to be <laughs> yeah, people are going to be craving. The, the world is getting ready to go through some major changes. I'm not going to get too spiritual or theological <laughs> here, but we're getting ready to go through some changes. And uh, it's been predicted for, you know, 3,000 years and it's gonna there's nothing we can do and to to stop it and that's why we need good teachers and a infrastructure to to help people when they need that help and that's what you guys providing that tool and hopefully you know PrepperNet will be as well yeah I mean that's why we look for individuals like yourself to uh, come on and just kind of I mean you talked about so much stuff that I'm going to look more into it and it's something that I want to look more into it and I want to spread to other people as far as family and friends and stuff like that because if I can help someone secure their their privacy a little bit better just by saying hey get this email or get this browser then I've completed what I set out to do and that's to help somebody you know to help somebody and to make them their life a little bit more secure um, and I mean and that's where I, to me is it, it helps make your life a little bit more secure that's why when people laugh at me about, hey, you're a prepper, and they laugh at me, right. I'm, okay, you can yeah. laugh at me, but when something happens, don't come to me when your kid's starving because I'm not going to help you. Like, like we're going to have words when that happens because I told you multiple times that you should be doing this, and you just kind of laughed at me, and now we're, we're like, nah. Hey. So I'm bringing two more people on my expert count, um, panel. Um, one is a cyber genius because I know how important that is, um, and um, and he's already agreed. But um, to come on, and then I'm also bringing on, oddly enough, a chaplain. And mm -hmm. the the guy I have in mind, the guy that has agreed to do it, um, he's a name everyone would know, um, but he's getting through some family issues right now and then that'll be announced probably within the next 30 days to 60 days so nice. but um but you know you you say that's odd and honestly I don't cuz I mean <clears throat> we had an episode with uh, Brian Duff what a oh, yeah. month ago Andrew and we, we talked yeah we talked well we talked about like post traumatic stress disorder we talked about the effects of emergency situations and psychological trauma and the emotional distress so I mean, I, I think honestly, like chaplain psychologist, that's probably a good person to put into a group because yes, if you if you think, <clears throat> and I mean, from my own experience, my genesis for prepping was Hurricane Katrina because I was in Louisiana Guard and I saw it pretty close right. up, and I tell people to this day, I'm like, I know people who never had a shot fired to them in anger who have honest to God diagnosed post traumatic stress disorder because they spent three days sitting on their roof waiting to die. With the floodwaters up around them, right? And I've met people like that. I mean, and if you think you're going to go through any kind of major disaster, whether it's man-made, political, natural, if it's a situation where your life's in danger, somebody is going to have a little bit of a, a healing process go on afterwards. Absolutely, yep. Couldn't agree more. Um, it's hard to deal with your problems yourself, um, and we—I mean—it doesn't make you any less of a man by talking through with a chaplain or someone that can help you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not, 
I mean, I'm not the I'm not the most spiritual person out there, um, but somebody to talk to, such as a chaplain, and uh, they do have good insight, and they they would have good um, feedback. I mean, it's someone to talk to is the most thing, and that's and they're relatively someone you can trust. Right. So I, I I'm all for that. That's awesome. Uh, holy crap, Forrest. Um, <laughs> uh, um, yeah well we're gonna have to start wrapping it up um when you get things situated with uh you said that you're kind of revamping um the prepping academy uh you yes. kind of do different things with it once you uh, once you get some things figured out and get some things um rolling i mean you're more than welcome to come back on anytime um, okay i mean you, if you want to come on and talk about that, or if you want to come on and just BS, you know, you're more than welcome. And uh, I mean, it's we told Rick the same thing because you get both of you guys so far. That's two weeks in a row that my mind is just melted because so much information. <laughs> and um, but no, uh, sincerely, if you ever want to come on and just talk and say hey, okay. you're more than welcome to. But yeah, once you start rolling some stuff out, let us know. Okay, we'll do absolutely. Yeah. So. And it- and I, I just have to say thanks for coming on because I mean the, oh. this is this is the reason Andrew and I put ourselves out there mostly Andrew because I do a lot of the back end work, but I mean we put ourselves out there we look for guests who know a lot more than we do because this is how we learn and this is how our listeners learn. You know we have we have to we have to admit that we don't know everything which we don't, and then go find somebody that knows a lot more than we do and beg and plead to get them to come on the show and then melt me and Andrew's mind down with. The knowledge bombs. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't try. I don't pretend to know be the most uh, knowledgeable in the room, but I'm usually the most motivated to make sure everybody's trained, and that's kind of that's the that's what I run with. I usually mm-hmm. uh, like you guys. I try to find smarter people than me, and it makes me look smart. <laughs> wow, you found this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> and so, so really. The- what you learn is uh, you got to find someone smarter than you and you absorb what they know. I mean, that's how, exactly. that's how we all learn. So, yep. um, but yeah, well, again, let us know when things uh, roll out. Okay. I'll keep my, I'll keep my eye on stuff and um, we'll talk to you more about prepper net. And uh, yeah, if, uh, I mean, if we don't talk to you until prepper, uh, prepper camp, um, which I hope we do, but uh, we'll be seeing you at prepper camp again. Okay. So. I appreciate it guys. Thanks for your time. No, thanks for yeah, having, thank thanks for coming on with much. us. And for everybody yes, that's listening, you. check the show description. I've got links to PrepperNet and Prepping Academy. And uh, if y'all want to follow up with Forrest, by all means, that's a good. Those are two good places to find him. And if you beg and plead and badger us, we'll definitely try to have him back on the show at a later date. All right, Matter of Facts Podcast. This is episode ninety-eight. I think. Yeah, we'll go with that. Signing off for the night. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Bye.